This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Thrive Market, a revolutionary online marketplace with thousands of the best-selling non-GMO foods and natural products, always at 25 to 50% below traditional retail prices. Get an additional 25% off your first order plus a 30-day free trial by visiting thrivemarket.com/nomadathlete. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington D.C. and you're listening to Nomad Athlete Radio. Matt, I'm guessing you haven't since I don't think uh, you've logged on Facebook this year, but um, I, I've been getting invited to all these uh, all these hurricane events uh, on Facebook the past few days that are like, let's all get together and shoot guns at the hurricane and just try and scare it away, or, or let's all get together and, you know, scream profanities at the, at the hurricane and see if it will turn around. <laughs> It's like these, it's kind of this weird new trend that has actually been pretty funny. There's some pretty creative ones. I'm not quite doing it justice, but um, there's some, <laughs> so, there's some pretty fun and creative uh, hurricane event parties coming up. So they're not actual parties. It's just like, that's a thing that people just make up. Yeah, no, I think people joke. are just making up jokes. Okay. That's what people do, huh? Just make up Facebook groups. <laughs> that's that's uh, how people spend their time these and what, days. And people, and people join the group and then like, tell their friends because it's funny is that what, what would happen i yeah i think so i haven't actually joined any of the groups but um i've been getting all these invites to it so i think that's what's happening is, ah. yeah well i find that i find it highly offensive doug because i that people are afraid for their lives and their in their homes <laughs> i don't think that's i don't i don't believe that you'd actually do yeah. <laughs> somebody you. might though you know what else might yeah. be offensive there's uh, our hockey team's called the carolina hurricanes i think that's uh that's that's courting disaster. Oh, Matt. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody's home gets up uprooted. Yeah, there it's gonna be true. hard. To, it's gonna be, no, no. I mean, it's gonna it's, like it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, it's a little bit scary. I'm you know I'm not scared for us here and where we are. You know I think we're gonna get a ton of rain. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of flood damage. Um, but you know I'm I'm very grateful that I don't live on the coast right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's I mean especially these. Up here, I don't think people, when you buy a house on the North Carolina coast, that hurricane season, you know, is a big concern every year. Maybe, maybe it is more than I know, but uh, it's not like Florida where you just, you know, going in that this right. is this is part of the risk. Uh, yeah, it it, it seems this one seems different to me than before. We've had we've had a few, you know, people get worked up over any kind of weather. It seems they just like mm-hmm. to do that. But I remember some hurricanes maybe two three years ago. Where it was, it was supposed to be kind of a big one, and then it ended, we barely noticed it. I think maybe you felt it more in Black Mountain, but where we were near Asheville, it just like it just seemed like it was a normal storm, but it kind of lasted for a couple of days instead of mm-hmm. quick. But this one's—I don't know—the the hype around this one seems different, and apparently it has just shifted course, and now it's headed uh, even even more towards us. But we're just so far in that I don't think I don't think much yeah. Can happen. It's a good thing though that uh, Holden Soccer Field didn't get repaired because this, there's this. I think I've mentioned this that his soccer complex was underwater. Oh, when you shot your viral video that that brought you instant fame and fortune. <laughs> that's that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that uh-huh. flood uh, that wiped out the this multi million dollar soccer complex. That's really nice oh, here. Oh man. Uh, yeah, and it was under ten feet of water for a couple of days, and then it's just and it still hasn't gotten up and running. There's been so much like bureaucratic junk, and and they haven't even gotten the funding, and like no progress has been made on this thing in in I don't know four or five months now. Wow. Um, but I bet they're you know, potentially happy that they didn't put all this money into it because it might just happen again. Which is, I think, part of the reason for the, for the delays is they're saying, is it is it worth building a soccer complex again on a floodplain? Right. So I don't know, but uh, huh. Well, I mean, I did hear that we we're supposed to get more rain this time than than during that May event. So mm, I think there geez. should be some more flooding. So I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I my heart goes out to anyone who's who's actually feeling. Uh, uh, I don't know, uh, fearing for their life or for their safety of their home or anything like that, for sure. Yeah, I mean, right, no one should be fearing for their life, right? I mean, I you, you certainly you could fear for your belongings, but that's true. There's if you plenty leave. of notice, right? If if you don't <laughs> yeah. leave, then I, and maybe there are situations where people have to stay behind; they just have no choice. But it sure seems like, for the most part, people can. There's plenty of notice to get out of there. So, yeah. fear for your possessions. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, of course. Wishing, wishing the best for everyone. Are you, are you, do you doing any sort of uh, prepping, Doug? 
I was I was gonna bring my patio furniture inside. Oh, there you go. Or that's like good. some of the stuff we have on the patio, put it in the garage. Well, that's about it. Right. Can't be too I'm careful. I'm gonna fill up. I'm gonna fill up with gas today. Mm-hmm. Cause Smart. I, you know, I think that that might be something that becomes an issue. But no, that's uh, yeah. I pr- you know what I probably will do is fill up some like jugs of water and stuff like that. Because during those storms in May, we lost water for a couple of days. So yeah, no, that's lost drinking water. Yep, that's sweet. You can fill up your bathtub. You ever do that? I could, but then you know I don't want to drink water in my bathtub. But if you were dying, you would. If you had no water at all, <laughs> if I was dying. <laughs> I'd get in the car and probably drive up uh, somewhere else. Not if you um, flooded but, in. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess, you know, people fill their bathtubs, right? Because uh, if your water, like, totally shuts off, then you can continue to flush your toilets. Is that right? Is that why people do that? Why do people fill their bathtubs? I thought it was just so you have tons of drinking water if you needed it. Oh, but, so you could, like, boil it? No, you just drink it. I mean, it's, I'm sure you wouldn't it. die from drinking your bath water. It might be not the best water you could drink, but I don't know. That That was my thinking, but who knows? Maybe it's a toilet thing. No, or maybe, maybe it's you're maybe probably it's a, right. Maybe totally for right. baths. Maybe you just take. Maybe for, you just sit in there, <laughs> drink it, flush your toilet, and bathe all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. hurricane. How about you? Are you doing anything? Are you gonna go? Uh, you know, I mean, we're the, filling all up the, the milk and all the filling up with the cars with the gas milk. What like uh, <laughs> almond milk for cereal? <laughs> Isn't that like a thing? Like yeah, like, I think milk, bread, and water is that, no milk, bread, and toilet paper. Is that the yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we will get we'll get uh, water and toilet paper, mm-hmm. and I think we'll just get you know canned beans and and stuff. This is much more than I would do, but my wife Erin, she she likes to be prepared, so she gets yeah. batteries. She gets she fills up the tubs. Um, yeah, batteries uh, probably good. Headlamps. Get out the camping yeah, stove in I, case I, your power I, goes out. And not you can a bad idea. Up some, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Get some sort of battery-powered thing that you can attach to your air fryer, and it'll be all set. Yeah, exactly. We need that for survival. Got to have the air fryer. Yep. Get some beer and just just hunker down. Hunker down. Batten down out. the hatches. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, the results are in. And now that we've rambled for five minutes, <laughs> the, the results are in about our question from last week's uh, <laughs> yeah. last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, what, how'd that go? I think it's a very scientific poll. Uh-huh. Um, of people who reached out to me directly and or posted inside the Pulse community website. And this was in response to us saying, do you like it when we have an episode that there is no topic, we just do the introduction the whole time? Uh-huh. Right? Yep, yep. Okay. And the overwhelming response was, yes, they do like it. Really? Yeah. Everybody said they liked it. Everyone, most people, not everyone, most people said that uh, it'd be good to do it like once, maybe twice a month, so not every single episode. Right. But um, oh, that's good to know. I like those. No, those but people people seem to like it. Yeah, good. There were also a couple of suggestions to be, do have it have them be completely spontaneous. We're not actually like planning episodes with no no subject. But uh, if we start talking about things like just last let time, it go. just let it go. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, I like that. Good. I was I was a little worried that, that a full episode would just people just would not. I know people like the introduction style content. I didn't know that they'd like it for a full one, but that's good. It's good to hear. And those are certainly the easiest ones to do. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yep, yep. And they're fun because I, you know, I, I enjoy talking to you, Matt. Mm-hmm. I Believe do. it or not, they are fun. Intellectually yeah. stimulating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but today we have a topic, and I think we should discuss. Yes, we it. do. A real topic. Just like a I wrote real... a real blog post yesterday. Which I know your I don't first think blog post in a while. I, I mean, I, went, I forgot how to use WordPress when I was in there trying to do it. I just forgot where stuff was. It's been a long time. When was your last blog post? I don't know. I have no idea. Probably probably six to nine months ago. Uh, well, you wrote a good one. I, I have to say, <laughs> I, I was a little worried that you'd kind of forgotten how to write. Um, <laughs> not really. But uh, when I read through it yesterday before we published it, I was uh, I, I really quite enjoyed it. It was oh, very good. good. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, it, didn't, yeah. I, it, it actually took me longer than blog posts used to take me because I, I just, it was kind of slow starting. So I think that had to do with not writing very much recently. But anyway, it was good. And uh, for those who didn't read it, it was about, the title of it was The Most Important Food Lesson I've Learned in a Decade of Nomad Athlete. Because Nomad Athlete is coming up on 10 years old. It is it is nine years and six months old, I think. Um and that's that is when I decided to become vegetarian, and I didn't even wasn't even vegetarian when I started. I just I just was almost I was kind of on the way, 
And I said, I'm only going to eat fish for now on as far as meat goes and, you know, gradually become vegetarian from there. And that's what I did. So that was almost 10 years ago, which is crazy to believe. That was such a long time ago. I don't know how old the podcast is. It's probably uh, seven years old, maybe. Sound about right? I don't know. That's a great question. I think we did some. Actually, I think we did some in the early days before we even had moved to Asheville. So, yeah, yeah. we definitely did. Anyway, well, um, the very first one that I was not a part of when there was another co-host. That's right, Ben. Ben uh, was yep. back in 2011, so seven years ago, yeah. Okay, yeah. So anyway, uh, it was. I was just thinking about what what had I learned in that time, and I mean, there's a ton of stuff that you know I've learned in that. Like, just can't describe how much I've learned in that time as far as nutrition goes. Uh, many, many other topics as well, and sort of about myself and personal development and all that stuff but the nutrition as far as nutrition goes um i kind of realized that, like i've i've been through so many different phases because in this post i mentioned that we made broccoli and it had occurred to me as i was doing that and this was in the original post that i cut out because it was just so much needless detail um I, it occurred to me as how many different phases we'd been through with broccoli like for a while <laughs> we were saving all the stems and chopping them up and putting them in smoothies because we were into this sort of like you know, save everything possible, reuse every possible bit of the food. Uh, basically, hmm. the Indians of the, the, it was like we were the Native Americans using every part of the broccoli and uh, made the smoothies terrible eventually. So we stopped doing that and <laughs> realized that there was no reason to save broccoli stems. So now we just give them to our dog. But we did that. Then we, for a while, we were peeling them and actually chopping them up and using the stems in the food. Then I was in that phase where I was really trying to always get the, the sulforaphane content maximized and I would chop the broccoli way ahead of time. Uh, and then finally it, it kind of just had come back to what I think is much simpler than all of that. And so the most important lesson that I have learned is really just to eat super, super simply. And we can describe what that means because it, it is somewhat more, uh, you know, there's more to it than just eat simply. Um, because even, even when I, you know, if I think of what does eating simply mean, I don't, it does, it's not as simple as I actually mean when I say it. <laughs> I guess I like with that how you started about um, in that post about uh, with Michael Pollan's quote. Yes. So he said, eat food, not too much, mostly plants. And that book was what I was, I don't know, in the first three to six months of Domain Athlete, like that was the Bible for me as far as nutrition goes. And it was like this, just this huge uh, realization that like, wow, we should be eating, we're not eating real food for the most part. And his book isn't a vegetarian or vegan book. It's just just about eating real food and it's sort of the beginning for me of the real food movement um and it's a and quote you see like everywhere I don't do know. You? you see it well i see it often um when people talk about like eating whole foods and kind of simplifying a diet right yeah like that sounds pretty simple eat food not too much mostly plants yes it's pretty simple and it's and it's also quite uh flexible right because that that would allow right. you to not be vegetarian or vegan because it's mostly plants, so you could you could still eat animal products. You could eat, and you could eat. I guess you just say eat mostly food too, because then you could sometimes eat uh, eat you know manufactured processed things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sound very easy, and I kind of have put that like to me that that kind of became the advice to eat whole plants as as your diet, right? Because that now there's whole food plant based, and that that whole term really kind of came along after that Michael Pollan book and quote, not because of it, just came about as a result. And when you do that, when you eat whole plants, the not too much part becomes sort of unnecessary because I think like if you truly only ate whole plants, there's really not a way to overeat. You just you just can't eat enough calories that will really significantly impact your body in terms of packing weight on um, because the food's not calorically dense. It doesn't, doesn't, it takes up so much room in your stomach that you can't really overeat it very easily. So, um, you know, that was all that basically encapsulated with eat whole plants. And then this part that, that was new to me was just how simply to do that. Because for the first few years of, of eat whole plants, um, you know, it, it still came with some pressure and, and struggle. I, I always kind of liked cooking. And then once I went vegan, vegetarian first and then vegan, I gradually got less and less interested in the actual cooking uh and i kind of thought that was a bad thing that i had that i had lost what used to be an interest of mine and it kind of recently has come back a little bit in a different way but um what happened i think was that i was moving towards 
a simpler way of eating. So I actually think it's a good thing that I that I got out of the, you know, watching food TV or whatever and trying to be like Bobby Flay and make all these fancy things. I, I think that whole food as entertainment idea um, is one that is is important to think about. And, and I think all of us kind of are entertained by our food to some extent because it, it has a sort of that cultural role. But I do think uh, if kind of in your day-to-day and the things that you plan for, uh, not the exceptions, not the fun times with family, not that, but the the day to day way you should eat. I think I think mostly food should just kind of serve that purpose of of giving you nutrition, filling you up. And so, how this all came about for me was on my book tour in 2013 for the first book for the first Nomadathi book, which by the way is being republished later this month, uh, a new revised hmm. edition with updated content, new cover, some new recipes that I added. And uh, you, I will make sure to let people know when that is out. Um, but anyway, I was on the book tour for that, which was one that I, it wasn't like a book tour where the publisher pays and flies you around the world. It was, it was, I emailed the Nomad Athlete <laughs> audience and said, I'd like to do this book tour. I've wanted to do this sort of thing forever. And now there's a book and this would be the perfect excuse to drive around the country, do a bunch of meetups with people who are fans of the site. Uh, and so basically people stepped up and said, Hey, why don't you go to this running store or this restaurant near us? And then they'd email the owner or I'd email the owner. Uh, and we would make it happen. And we, and in that way, we organized a two-month event where I think I did about 50 events uh, in 60 days, drove myself all around the country. And where this Eat Simply thing occurred to me was in the big stretches in kind of the Midwest and then headed towards the West. Uh, what's that called, Doug? The mountain, mountain time zone? Where, you know, it, it was 16 hours between what looked like decent places to stop and eat some sort of vegan food um there just wasn't anything there was there were no vegan restaurants in very not it's not that there aren't any in the midwest or in the west it just it just so remote and and so you know um sparse was the the landscape there so it just wasn't much to eat for me um so i just found that like for a while i was getting by on the chipotles and, and that was okay and i actually thought chipotle was healthier than it was probably back then i thought okay beans some grains, some veggies, that's good. But it's, it's very high in salt, lots of oil and things like that. So mm-hmm. not not a great place. But what I was doing more often when I couldn't find those things was just stopping at a grocery store. And if it was Whole Foods, all the better. But for the most part, that wasn't available. So uh, I would just go to regular grocery stores. I would stock up on whatever I could, whatever I thought might get me through the next two to three days of eating uh, without having to think about it. And so that meant buying a ton of fruit, Buying, you know, a head of cabbage or or a celery. Uh, what's a bunch? What's a bunch of celery, Doug? What's the name for the? Uh, I have no idea. Grouping <laughs> of celery stalks. Okay. Anyway, a cluster of celery stalks. <laughs> there you go. A flock of celery stalks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that you know, a trail mix or some sort of nuts and seeds, uh, hummus. Often, if I could get that, along with some carrots, maybe to dip in it, and uh, bread. If the if the grocery store had a bakery and made any kind of good whole wheat bread then i would get that as well and basically i had that and water and coffee and that was kind of like what i ate for a few days at a time and for a while it was like wow this is not good like how ironic that i'm on this book tour promoting health and telling people to eat this healthy diet and yet here i am you know just barely scraping by so to speak not not in terms of money but like barely finding i'm telling people that it's easy to be plant-based and it's easy to be vegan (laughs) And, like, here I am, you know, hardly, seemingly getting inadequate nutrition in this way, not eating real meals. And, you know, it felt weird because it was weird. It was nothing like sitting down at home to an actual meal that I had made or that my wife had made. Um, but after a few days, it started. I started to realize, like, there's nothing inadequate about this way of eating. Like, what I am doing now is actually eating all the foods that I wish that I try to eat more of at home, right? Like, I don't, at home find occasion to eat a whole head of cabbage in three days i might put it on salad grate it or chop it or something um same with carrots i'll use it in my cooking but i don't tend to eat that raw very often uh nuts and seeds like you know they're great i think we should i'll try to get quarter cup or so per day but it's very easy to not do that unless unless i'm building it in and making sure i get the smoothie and i remember to do that um you know so i have routines now that sort of ensure that but if i'm off that routine a lot of days will go by where i don't eat nuts or seeds so the point is um what seemed like a a bad way to eat not not you know 
eating in the normal fashion. I started to realize that this is actually the healthiest way that I that I was, I was eating healthier than I ever eat. Uh, and I was doing it without any preparatory effort of cooking. I was just getting the ingredients and then eating them. I wasn't even doing any assembly, right? I wasn't even putting together meals that... that salad mattered. or anything, yeah. Yeah, right, no salad, nothing like that. Uh, just eating one or two items and as much of it as it took to get full, and then that was my meal. So uh, I really do think that's a great way to eat. It's probably a very natural way to eat, and it just seems strange because we have all this kind of cultural stuff around meals and the ritual of that, and that's sort of colored by industry and government and who knows what forces are, you know, if, if they're really for the greater good or not, um, telling us that our meals should be square and have a protein section and a carbohydrate section and a, some vegetable green section. Um, I don't know. I just think a lot of that, it, it has occurred to me that most of that kind of thinking is is just culture. Like it's really not important for our health and it's probably not as natural as just eating one or two things and not really doing any preparation at all, but kind of eating them in a very close to natural state. Um, so the whole point of the post wasn't you should try to eat meals like that because those, those I will admit are, you know, that, that's a fairly extreme way of eating. If that was all you were eating, uh, it it wouldn't really be all that satisfying and people would kind of be missing, I think some things that they really like about mealtime. But where this whole post came from was that I was home with the kids this past weekend because my wife was away. Um, and I was just sort of throwing together food based on what we had available and the fact that I didn't have a lot of time to make because I was, I was trying to get this uh, NFL DraftKings bet thing in. So, <laughs> and of course, that's more important than, than you know, the, kids' nutrition. <laughs> so I just chopped the broccoli. We had a ton of broccoli, so I just steamed it and said, hey, kids, this is, this is half of your plate. This is the main thing we're eating tonight is the broccoli, which is good because they both like broccoli. That was fine. I could depend on that. And then I wanted them to have a little bit of you know, substance with it, some calories, because I do think about that more than I would for myself or for adults. I don't think adults really need to think very often about, I got to make sure I get enough calories. I think there are instances when they do, like if someone is a if, is an athlete and they're in training mode or a race coming up, uh, or if there's somebody who is worried about losing weight or they are, they are losing weight and they don't want to be losing weight, then yeah, you got to make the effort to get the calories. Um, but if not for the kids, I wouldn't have cared about that part. I could just eat the plate of broccoli and that that could be fine for dinner if not every night, like I said, wouldn't be satisfying. But in a pinch like that, you know, good enough. I could eat a plate of broccoli and that could be it. But for the kids, I made some pasta and I put some chickpeas on the plate. And uh, and that was their dinner. And it kind of, I don't know, I just didn't really realize how simple it was. Or I should say, I didn't realize that this was a healthy meal. I had the exact same problem. And I've done this now for years because that book tour was five years ago. And I've done a lot of nights where we don't have time to cook or we didn't think about cooking. So we kind of just mail it in and we just make a smoothie or eat a salad or, you know, eat a plate of broccoli and some maybe some hummus with crackers in it or something. Um, but like it's still it still doesn't quite. I don't know, jump to mind that this is healthy. food. what comes first to mind is wait a minute, this isn't a real meal. There's not, you're, you're doing the kids a disservice by serving them this. Uh, and so I had to rem- remind myself that this is, this is one of the most important things I've learned, that we should eat really, really simply, and that when you're eating what seems like not putting enough effort into dinner, as long as you're not relying on processed food, you're probably eating a lot healthier than you are when you do put a lot of effort into dinner. So that's, that is the crux of the argument. And what happens is that relieves so much pressure and stress when, when you realize that, if you wanted, you know, five nights, seven nights a week if you wanted, but, but you know, four or five nights, you could just combine some foods and eat them. And at first, it might be kind of bland. Uh, I'm not saying you shouldn't season them or put salt or use sauces or whatever. You can do all that if you want. But as far as nutrition goes, if that's all you did was combined a few different foods and eat them for your dinner, you're probably going to end up healthier and your body will be better off for it than if you were putting much more effort into those meals. So, well, I don't know. So, like, I you know, I, I tend to agree with you here, um, but it 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 does kind of go against everything that, you know, we've been taught or not taught, but just kind of come to understand about eating. Um, and so, like, like, why do you think, like, what makes it healthy? Like, why is that healthier than a more round, well-rounded meal, I guess? Uh, I think partly it is, well, I mean, so you're not putting a lot of oil into that kind of food. 
right? Mm-hmm. So we're not, we're not adding something that is kind of processed. That a lot of people don't consider processed. They think of that as whole food, even though it's not. Um, and I'm not 100% oil-free by any means anymore, but I do still view it as a food that I probably shouldn't eat very often. Uh, so there's that. There's a lot less salt in that sort of thing. Um, and I think just in general, the more you are cooking stuff and the more you're combining stuff and introducing all different types of foods onto your plate, um, I think you're just you're just creating something that is a little bit further from the most natural way to eat. And I'm not, not to say that because it's natural, therefore it's good. That's not necessarily true. That's kind of a fallacy that people make. Um, but I think this way also, I end up eating more foods. Like if I'm, if I'm in the have to make a meal, um, I don't know, my mind will go to a few places. It'll go to stir fry or pasta. Right. And a lot of really good foods don't make it into that meal very often. Um, you know, plant-based eating obviously offers a big wide variety of ingredients you can use and kind of expands your horizons a lot and makes you use a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but still it, I think we just sort of, at least I do tend to move towards ruts, not, a, not in a negative way, but just the, these familiar well-worn paths of like this meal is a kind of a go-to thing. Uh, so I don't know, you can get into one of those. You could make the same 10 meals most of the time. And if you haven't chosen them really carefully, then I think there's you, you're kind of missing a lot of these things. Right. So I guess an important point here is that it's not that I think these really simple meals where you're just kind of combining two or three things and eating that until you're full. Uh, it's not that I think those are remarkably healthier than regular plant-based, whole food plant-based meals. Uh, in some ways they are. In other ways, you could argue that they're not. Um, but what they are is way, way simpler than having to get a recipe and get exactly the right ingredients for it and then prepare those ingredients in that way and then clean up from that cooking process uh it just it just frees up so much about the house so like i said this wasn't this realization i said this in the blog post i didn't say it here um it wasn't so much about the the what to eat thing it was more about the how should you eat it so that this is actually sustainable and it was just such a huge insight and a huge relief for me to realize that i don't need to make a meal every single Mm. night for dinner i can just eat the foods that i'd be putting in there and that's really really healthy yeah i think that 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 is a, a a huge point here because and i guess that is the point that you're trying to make but you know i mean with with nutrition like you know running is the exact same way right where we um we have kind of as culturally shifted as more technologies becomes available and we can learn more about you know our cadence and our you know our our stride and all of these different things, paces. And, you know, I mean, we can, we can, and heartbeat, we can, we can dissect every single run and every single part of our training in a way to like maximize this and that and this and that. Um, but it gets so overwhelming and, and can be, you know, one, it can be way too confusing Two, it's, you know, a lot of it, we don't really know what's better than the next thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's just all these kind of different ideas about, what's good and what's not, you know, and three, like, I just think it, it, it gets to be come, it gets to a point where you're so focused on those things that you've kind of lost sight of the bigger picture, which is that if you want to get better at running, you just, you got to run more. Right. Right. Um, and you got to just practice that. And I think with nutrition, we're kind of doing the exact same thing where we're, we're dissecting every macronutrient, every micronutrient and, you know, all these different things and ratios and this and that and this and that. And really, we just need to eat simply and eat whole foods, right? We need to just kind of take what, what, <laughs> you know, what, what's available to us and, and eat it. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a, a really useful analogy because so with running, you said there are all these different things we could measure and that is true. And any given one of those, and maybe a combination of those actually might be a little bit better. Like right. it, is, it is possible that if you, you know, held fast to your core of the way you thought running should be and you added in this new component that was this additional level of insight that you actually might improve as a runner and and you know be forever better because you've discovered this thing um that and that's that's kind of i think what what you were asking with the meals like why are these are, are these much much simpler meals uh, are they any healthier than than cooking a recipe and the answer is not necessarily right? it's quite possible that the recipe some recipes are healthier than 
just this. Lots of examples about you know if you how if you cook tomatoes, you you increase the lycopene content, and that's really valuable for, as a cancer fighter. And you don't get that much from raw tomatoes. So like that's one tiny example of a food that is actually improved in that respect at least um, by cooking. So the point, like I said, wasn't that these are better. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just that they're way, way simpler. And I think that that same goes for running. Right? That, like, yeah. There's all this stuff. It will give you incremental improvements. Um, but it's, it's you know, if you think about the 80-20 sort of thing or even like the 90-10 thing, like you can do dramatically less than that. You could just go out and run and mm-hmm. you're getting almost all of those results. Now, it's possible that other stuff will help you, like I said, but um, yeah. it's not even definite that it will. But one more I mean, really important thing. But, well, there's a reason why I like pros follow that type of stuff you know and why um why this technology exists and in the same way that with nutrition there's a reason why we like are studying these micro and macronutrients because you know we're trying to kind of optimize things and and learn you know scientifically what's what's fueling our bodies in the best way possible but for the most part you don't have to follow that stuff to be healthy right and i think i think one more really important point is that there's a danger there, right? So it, it almost seems like it can't hurt. And if you've got the energy for it, why not track your heart rate and figure out your VO2 max and start looking at all this data far more complex than those things? Um, and I think I think actually, though, like although each of those can be valuable on its own, uh, I think it's quite possible that they will sort of hijack the whole process eventually. And you can go down this road uh, where suddenly running is not running anymore right it's not offering you the things that running in its simplest purest form does offer you which for it's a lot of mental sort of stuff perhaps the escape um meditativeness who knows but i think the exact same thing can happen with the nutrition obviously it happens with with nutrition right we we think about scientists you know the reductionist thing we think about too many things and we think hey we can just reduce the food to its components and if we get those components whether they're in a food or not um you know, we're going to be healthy. So that's, that's one example. But even like with the cooking, like if you just, if you go down this road and you start to have to prepare all these foods this certain way, and you can't even think about, I'll go back to cabbage again. You can't even think about just eating the cabbage because all you know about it is, you know, to chop it ahead of time or use it in these certain recipes. Um, and so I think, I think you can get so far into that that eventually you throw your hands up and say, well, this is this is just too hard. I'm going to go back to eating the way I used to or the processed food. Um, and so while these, while these really, really simple meals, this idea of assembling or combining the meal rather than cooking it, um, while that's not necessarily healthier, like if you just compare that to a nice, you know, well-rounded, um, varied whole food plant-based diet of regular cooked meals that are more in the traditional sense of a meal, um, you know, it, it's easy to say that it's not necessarily healthier than that, but what I think it does is kind of connects you a little bit better to the food than in in the same way that just going out and running uh, kind of keeps you grounded in that versus if you were to go down the road of just you know being infiltrated with tons of data and it just it just all over your training and and you kind of have lost that that essential thing about running. I think what this has done for me. This understanding, and it's not that I do it every single night, but this understanding that it is okay just to eat the ingredients that you would put into a meal, just eat them on their own. Um, It has really freed me and kind of made me aware of a lot of emotional sort of attachments that I didn't even realize I had to food. Because I've never thought of myself as an emotional eater, um, certainly not a disordered disordered eater. Uh, But like... I don't know. You you just start to realize like when when something feels so wrong at its core, like wow, how could I do this instead of eating an actual meal that, that's a quote unquote square meal? Um, you realize that there's something there, and there's like there's something that you may not even believe or, or not even realize you have this deep conviction about this is what a meal should be. So I think it's just useful to to you know anything that that kind of makes you question these these convictions you're not even aware of. Uh, I think that's usually a good thing. And I think it just helps sort of strengthens this connection to, you know, what, what food and eating should be. I dig it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good. Glad to hear that. I'm convinced. <laughs> You're convinced. <laughs> I guess I should point out, like, I'm not talking about eating raw food all the time. Cause that's this, this meal that I'm, that I made for my kids is a good example. The broccoli was steamed. That wasn't raw. The pasta was boiled. That wasn't raw. And the chickpeas had been cooked. So they mm-hmm. weren't raw either. This isn't not cooking. I just mean I'm just using cooking as as the term for spending a lot of time 
putting together this, you know, perfect meal that where all the flavors harmonize and it all goes together. Yeah. So Matt, I was I was reading through some of the comments on the blog, um, and they, uh, you know, raised a few couple questions, uh, which I'd love to talk about or ask you about. But before we do, let's take a second to thank our sponsor. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Thrive Market, a revolutionary online marketplace with thousands of the best-selling non-GMO foods and natural products, always at 25 to 50 percent below traditional retail prices. At Thrive Market, you can get everything you need, non-GMO foods, snacks, vitamins, supplements, personal care products, eco-friendly cleaning supplies, kitchen staples, and much, much more, and it's all shipped straight to your door. And since everything is automatically discounted to up to 50% off on each product page, you can compare the price to retail and see your savings right there. Matt, the more I have tried Thrive Market, the more I have found myself branching out to different brands and even different products that I had never tried before. After locking in a few of my staples, I just kind of sort by vegan and a category like, I don't know, grains or something like that, and then just start scrolling. Products pop up that I have probably never even noticed in a traditional grocery store. I just walk right past or maybe skip that aisle entirely, which makes it easy to explore and try something something new and kind of different, exciting. Plus, many of the brands truly are unique. More than 70% of the Thrive Market catalog cannot be found on sites like Amazon. When you check out Thrive Market and shop there like Doug and I have, you'll get an additional 25% off your first order plus a 30-day free trial by visiting thrivemarket.com slash athlete. That's thrivemarket.com slash athlete. And uh, I was reading through the comments on that post this morning and, um, you know, someone asked, like, how do you feel about you know, instead of just having chickpeas, adding herbs to it so you get the, you know, the good things from the herbs or spices or you know that kind of thing and, and you're not suggesting that either you're not suggesting that stuff's bad like adding any of that stuff is bad right no not at all i think i think that um like there is no reason not to put those foods on. It, that is that's actually is a, is a great example of a as far as the running thing goes maybe that is uh like getting a nice pair of shorts that doesn't chafe you <laughs> right, <laughs> right? right so like it's a good thing if you did it in the extreme and that became all you thought about, then you then you're gonna as far as cooking goes, you're you're back to cooking eventually, and and you're not, you know, you're suddenly back, which is fine. If that's if that's what you like to do and and you want to do that, then fine. But as far as uh, I'm just saying, watch out, slippery slope. But no, obviously, no reason not to add spice to your food if you like to have spices and herbs. Yeah, but you like to cook quite a bit. <laughs> I do like to cook. I like to cook a lot, and. Uh-huh. I have, I don't know, in my head, I have just separated it entirely from diet and eating. It's just, it's just not that. It's different. It's the, it's a fun thing. It's a, it's a hobby. But as we talked about in the last episode, I don't really think it's healthy what I'm, when I'm making deep fried donuts for the kids. And to a lesser extent, when I'm making pasta by hand, um, you know that's not that's probably not as healthy as the pasta that I make them from a box that's 100% whole wheat because I'm making it sometimes with all-purpose flour and I'm mm. using oil in the sauce and and even when something cooks all day long, it it I don't know it just has a lot of stuff in there that probably isn't as good as just eating those ingredients in their in their whole unprepared state. So okay. I think cooking is great. I I really like doing it and uh, I've had this renewed interest in it that I haven't felt in really a long time since kind of since I became vegetarian and vegan. Um, but I just don't, I just don't think of that as even that closely related to, uh, you know, diet and nutrition. It's kind of just something that I, that I do that I know comes at a, at a cost as far as nutrition goes. Yeah. But it's not the same as this is how I provide food for my family because I, if it was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cook the meals all the time because it wouldn't be the healthiest way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like the. Like from a practical standpoint, you know, I think that if you're just going vegetarian or vegan or or even if you're vegetarian now or vegan now and, um, you know, but but cooking a lot, following a ton of recipes, um, it can it can feel like <laughs> you can feel like a, sh- a big shift like you're talking about and also kind of an unwanted shift in that, like thinking about a meal that's just fruit and nuts and some hummus and a little bit of bread or something just doesn't sound very good, right? It doesn't sound very comforting. Yeah, um, right. And it's but, not. 
<laughs> yeah. But I, I just think there are days, and the way I got to this was because there are days, in particular it was this book tour, but at home there are days when I feel like it's I'd much rather not have to cook anything mm-hmm. than be comforted by a belly full of hot, salty, fattier food. Right. It's just like, it. it's not even that I'm giving something, well, I guess you're giving up that feeling. Um, but there are just so many days when I'd prefer to do this. And I, and I know that I'm not going to feel that comforting feeling, but I'm going to also feel a little bit lighter and more energetic mm-hmm. uh, and not have had to cook and clean up and deal with all that. So, and and that easy meal is so much better than the alternative of like a frozen meal or ordering out or something like that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But but I think that so we're really confused about that. Like I still have that feeling. Like it, if I was just going to eat four apples and a handful of trail mix for dinner, and I'd probably be pretty full, right? Maybe maybe not three hours later, but I'll be in bed by then, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, it seems like ordering Thai food is so much healthier than that, right? It seems like it's it's like a good you know, meat on your bones kind of meal, right? That's going to like provide you with sustenance and make you strong. I think we have all this stuff, at least I do. It's all wrapped up in our concept of eating and and what dinner should be. But if you talk to almost anyone new, not new, but like anyone who who has a modern underst- or an understanding of modern nutrition and kind of the way things are going, I think they would almost all say that, that, Four apples and a handful of nuts is way, way better than than a tofu stir fry, with right. you know grease and and white rice noodles. And all. I mean, I don't know. And yet, and yet, somehow, I'll pay that thirty bucks to get that takeout meal sometimes because it feels like that's the that's how you actually right. eat dinner. Right. Yeah. So, and sometimes you really just do want that, and that's fine. And that's that's a different thing. If if you just want that food because and you're in the mood for something greasy and and salty and all those things that Thai food is. Um, Great, that's fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't have that at all, and I do it plenty of times. But I just think it's—I think it's strange that we have this thing wired in our brains that says this is healthier than than eating, you know, a salad with no dressing and some apples. Which yeah. it's, just, it's just weird to me. And I'm, I'm not advocating no dressing. I don't eat salad with no dressing. But it's <laughs> odd that, but it's odd that in our head, that seems less healthy than than a takeout meal. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, no, I, I think I, I do think I'm making this more extreme than it is in this podcast. Like with the writing, I can kind of look at things and think about how it sounds. Yeah. Um, like I don't eat in some crazy way. Most of the, a lot of times, I would you know half nights or more, we we make a regular meal. I mentioned this mac and brock meal. We make tacos. We make stir fries. We do this stuff. But more and more these days, and especially for breakfast and lunches, also, which mm-hmm. are which are kind of easier to do it. They're, that's less interesting because I think that's less counterintuitive. Um. Dinner just seems to be the one that where you want that hot, comforting meal. Um, but, you know, just more and more these days, I choose the just, instead of breakfast, I'm just going to eat three bananas or something. And, and mm-hmm. that'll be fine. Um, so, I, it's, it's, these days I do more of that. But I, it's like, I don't eat, I don't eat salad with no dressing on it. I don't eat salad and apples for dinner very often. <laughs> you know, it's it, just for the point of comparison, though, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the breakfast and lunch, uh, in particular is a good like good way to be to think about trying to do a little bit more of this if you're if you are interested in that um and then also just you know it's a it feels like much less of a big jump than to turn dinner into a bunch of fruit yeah and and i totally i think it's good you brought up the thing about this might seem like an overwhelmingly large jump if you're at the beginning of changing your diet and I completely agree, and I don't think you should try to do that. Like, I wouldn't even think of that as the goal right now. If you're if you're just thinking about eating more plants in your diet, um, by all means, keep keep doing regular meals, but just swap the meat out for some extra plants. I mean, that that's great. Mm-hmm. I don't at all think that someone should aspire to get this. I'm, I was just pointing out in the blog post that that this has been a really interesting transition and one that I view as a healthy one. Uh, just. I don't know. I, I just think it, it's it's been something that I never would have expected to get to, but uh, it, it sure feels good. Well, I'm glad you shared it. Good. I am glad you consumed it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Anything else? I don't know. I mean, go read the blog post. It's if it well, it'd be at nomadathlete.com if you go right now. But the URL was maybe most important lesson. Most dash important dash lesson. Yeah. 
And so there I address some of the objections because I think we talked about that there are some kind of unseen convictions that must be at play when it seems so wrong uh, to remove the hot cooked dinner from your from your life. Again, it's so easy to start put pigeonholing this into this crazy extreme thing. Um, but a meal like broccoli, pasta, and chickpeas, um, it, it's it's easy to think, I'm just wondering, like, why why does that seem like it's not an adequate meal? And I think protein is one issue. People think about protein. There is the macronutrient thing. Like, are, are you thinking about macronutrient balance? Like, what if it was just broccoli for the meal? Or what if it was just broccoli and just pasta and there were no beans in that meal? I think people would, would have this reaction like, wait a minute, all you're getting is carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, so there's that. There's the macronutrient thing. Like, is it a properly balanced meal as far as macronutrients go, which is carbohydrates, protein, and fat? Uh, and then finally, is it providing adequate calories to, I don't know, I don't know what, what is the goal, but because so many people think about calories in the other way, like they don't want calories, but I have this sense that if I told someone just eat a plate of broccoli and have a little half cup of beans with it, um, they would say, well, you're going to wither away if you eat that, right? There's something about that that would not make grandma happy because it's just, it's just not a, not a meal that's going to make you strong. Um, so I think that that was the third thing like there's something that people associate with square meals as as providing nourishment um but so anyway i address these these what these are and then kind of point out why each of them is really not uh valid anymore and and mostly it's that those thoughts of they came from an era where malnutrition was the big problem right so protein was important when people weren't getting enough calories at all and it was important that we get protein that we seek it out because we weren't getting enough calories and therefore not getting enough protein not we, but people. And that's where so much of this stuff came from. And then industry, of course, has helped to perpetuate that and make sure that we continue eating that way because it was built on the idea that we needed to. So there's that one. There's the macronutrient thing. But you know now there's plenty of science that says, and in fact, you don't want a lot of protein. As long as your protein content is low, which is, again, very, very counterintuitive, as long as your protein is low enough, it really doesn't matter what your macronutrient mix is. At least there's no compelling science that I've seen uh, I've seen there's there's high carb low fat low carb high fat as long as you're keeping protein low doing it whole food plant based both of them lead to weight loss and heart disease reversal so I don't think macronutrient mix really matters at all as long as your protein's low enough and then the one about uh, like is your food providing you enough calories like I said at the beginning of this I do think there are some people who that's important from and perhaps they are exceptions like if you were just dropping weight and that's a problem for you. Uh, or it's just something you don't want to happen, it's undesirable, then yeah, you should make effort to make sure you're getting some calorically dense foods in there. Um, but for the most part, I, th- I think a lot of people are worried about, would, would be worried about a dinner like that who could stand to have a lot of dinners that are like that, right? That, that are just aren't calorically dense, that don't provide calories, uh, in ter- at least it, not that they don't provide calories. They don't provide nearly the calories that you might be used to providing. Um, and, and as far as like, you know, looking at science, it's it's caloric restriction that leads to longer life and health for the most part. Again, in the absence of malnutrition, um, it's not it's not getting lots of calories. What that leads to is overnourishment, and that's that's the big problem that we are suffering from now as a country and culture. So, anyway, check out the post. Yeah. <laughs> most dash important dash lesson. There you go. Good. Sounds good. Anything else to add? I don't think so. I guess I'm concerned people are going to think that I'm a wacko after this. <laughs> I feel like this turned into something in this podcast uh, that all I do is eat raw all the time and a lot of salads and apples for dinner, which is the furthest thing. From well, we know show. that's not true because last week you were talking about yeah, I these ate really elaborate wings. Cooking. Fru- <laughs> cooking and the fruffalo wings and, uh, and corn dogs. That's right. Yep. So there you go. Perfect counterexample to the fact, to the <laughs> idea that I might eat only apples and salad. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, the point is that there's this lesson, the most important lesson is that uh, this idea of what's, what a well-balanced meal is, is, is no longer relevant. Just that it's overcomplicated, right? Overcomplicated. I, I, that's a great point to, thing to point out is that I don't think that's unhealthy. I do not think eating a whole food plant-based diet cooking all your food, spending all the time in the world on the preparation and having that 
as this great meal you're presenting to your family and friends or whoever's eating it with you. I don't think the what the way I'm talking about eating is any healthier than that. Maybe it yeah. connects you a little closer to this food, but at the same time, you could argue that the social aspect of eating and sharing and presenting a nice meal you've put time into, that that's really important. And it probably is really important. Um, so my point is not at all that this is healthier than that. It's that this is so much simpler than that. And that if, if that idea that you must prepare a meal each night, if that is causing you stress, and for a lot of people it's not, but if that is causing you stress in terms of like, it just feels like this constant battle, you've always got to get a dinner ready uh, or have a next meal that is planned uh, or get out to the store so that you can get the few ingredients you need to complete this meal. If that's adding stress and, and costing you time, uh, you can totally get rid of that whole idea and you won't be any, any less healthy for it. You might be healthier for it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There you go. I think that's a good way for us to wrap it up. Good. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, we didn't uh, we didn't thank our sponsor. Yeah, I think we'll need to do that. We'll okay. need to <laughs> you go back and insert that through the. And go back and insert that editing. Yeah. Good. good. Okay. Good old editing. Good. But we do thank our sponsor, Five Market. Yeah. We definitely do. Um. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week. Do we know what next week is, Doug? We're on this nutrition kick this month. Yeah. Next week, I think we're going to talk about Sid's lessons oh yeah which you don't know about but that's coming which up. you don't know about but the coming up on the or line. rules not lessons rules sid's food rules good like that looking forward to that yeah it's gonna be a colorful one is he sure. gonna be on next next episode <laughs> i hope so good otherwise we'll just be talking about his food rules without him <laughs> yeah that'd be kind of weird <laughs> we can say mean things about his rules oh no we would never no but yeah sid's episodes are always fun and uh that would be good yeah absolutely love Sid love his (laughs) rules yes we do alright well everybody thanks for listening and uh, we will talk to you soon sounds good thanks everyone